Welcome. Thank you for joining me on the Luke Bruger podcast. Today, I want to take a couple of minutes and talk about two important ways to make use of the Word of God. Uh, I want to start in Ephesians chapter 6. I'll start reading in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So Paul is is kind of wrapping up his letter to the Ephesian church, and as he's getting ready to conclude it, he says, okay, one last major thing, finally, this is kind of, I've been building up to this, this is sort of uh, the climax of this letter, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and then he starts to talk uh, about why that's so important, he says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, and he lists, we just read it, evil principalities, things in the unseen realm, and he, so he's, he's letting us know what we're up against in life isn't people. When you have difficulties, arguments, when you feel like uh, things are coming against you, and it seems like maybe even it's that guy at work, or that's a crazy neighbor, or it's your spouse, it's your parents, whatever it is, we don't wrestle. What we are dealing with isn't what you can touch and feel, but it's actually unseen spiritual forces that we are battling against. We're wrestling with them, so there's this unseen battle that's taking place. And then he says, because of that, again, verse 13, he says, therefore, because of this reality you might not have known before, but now I'm telling you, therefore, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Put on the armor of God. Why? So that when evil comes in the evil day, when you're under attack, you can stand. So from that, we can understand that if we don't put on this armor, if we don't do what he's about to tell us more about what we need to do, that when evil comes, when struggle comes, you, you won't be standing. That if you don't follow this instruction, then you're going to fall. So he's giving us, here's the steps, here's how you need to prepare yourself, here's how you need to get ready. So when it's all said and done, you're going to be okay, you're still standing. Otherwise, you're not going to be standing. So he starts building. Verse 14, he starts off by saying, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Therefore, so he starts to, he's going to start talking about the armor of God. If you're familiar with this passage of scripture, he starts talking about all these different pieces. But where he starts, he's talked about how important this is, what a big deal this is, spiritual forces. This is so serious, whether you stand, whether you fall. Okay, here it comes. He's going to start breaking down the armor. And he starts, he starts with talking about the belt. Some translations talk about the girdle. You're girding your waist, girding your loins. Which for me, when I think of armor, um, I'm not really thinking of a belt. If someone was going to invade my house, threaten my family, I might, I might think about where is a, a baseball bat, where is a knife, where is a gun. I'm not thinking about, honey, have you seen my belt? That, that's not on my radar as far as like armor and being attacked and making sure that I, I stand my ground. But that's where he starts 
is number one, first things first, what you need to make sure you have first and foremost is this belt of, of truth, which is interesting. Rick Renner wrote a book called Dress to Kill, and he, he does a great job kind of breaking down each piece of the armor of God. And when he talked about the belt, the belt of truth, he said that it was the most important piece of armor, that the belt was the most important piece of armor that a person would, would equip themselves with. And it's, it's not really used specifically for offense. You know, you're not really attacking a person with your belt unless, you know, you're my, my father punishing me when I was a child. But in this context, you're not really, you know, it's not something that they're slinging around was the belt. It's not really uh, a piece of armor for defense directly. You know, if you're going to get hit with a, a sword or a spear or an arrow, you're not thinking, I hope they, I hope they hit me in the belt. It's, so it's not really offense or defense, but the reason that it's so important is because it was the foundation of everything else, that without it, all of the rest of the armor fell apart. So the belt is what allowed or supported the function of the rest of the armor. The, the shield, they would rest the shield on that, that girdle or that belt. The sword would attach to the belt. The breastplate, it, it wouldn't just flap around every time they bent over, swing up and hit them in the face. It was kept in place because of, because of the belt. So this belt that he's talking about, first and foremost, that's what you put on first because it really allows the rest of the armor to take its place and holds it together. So before anything else, he says you need the belt of the belt of truth. So for us, we're not talking about a physical belt or a physical girdle. He, he's using this analogy to tell us you need truth. So when he says truth, he's not talking about uh, honesty or telling people the truth, which is something obviously we, we shouldn't lie. We do need to tell the truth, but that's not what he's saying. The, the belt of truth, he's talking about the word of God. God's word is truth. John 17, verse 17 Jesus says, as he's praying to the Father, he prays and says, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. So the armor of God, in the armor of God, it says the belt of truth. The belt is God's word. And really, it's the only piece of the armor that is visible or that is, is physical in nature. The rest of it is all in the invisible realm the, the sword of the spirit, the, the breastplate of righteousness. That's not something that you can really touch, feel, see. It's all, you know, in, in the spiritual realm. But the belt of truth, God's word, I mean, you can touch it. I'm holding it right now. You, you, can, you can feel it, that I have the belt of truth, God's word. I've been equipped with it in a, in a physical way. Now, when we, we talk about the armor of God, and you say that the, the belt of truth is the word of God, the, the Bible, that can bring confusion because some people, if they, they know this passage of Scripture, the question will come up, well, then what about the sword of the Spirit? Because it says that we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if that's the Word of God, how can we say that the belt is the Word of God? Well, the word for word in that passage is, is rhema, and it's talking about the spoken, the spoken Word of God. So that's when the Holy Spirit or when, when God would quicken a word to somebody in a moment or when you are speaking out the word of God that you've memorized, you're, you're declaring it over yourself or you're applying it to a situation, that that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's a spoken or a quickened, a quickened word, which, 
really you can't you can't have a word quickened or you can't quote and declare words as the sword of the spirit which out without first having the belt of truth so again we're seeing why the belt of truth is is the foundation so he says we're supposed to first gird ourselves with truth prepare ourselves and in this analogy it's talking about girding your loins or wrapping it around your waist but it's it's an analogy so we don't literally take god's word and apply it to our waists wrap god's word around around our hips so if i'm going to follow this instruction and it says to gird myself with truth how do we do that how do we gird ourselves with with the word of god first peter chapter 1 verse 13 gives us some insight into how to do that he says therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Same two words in the Greek for girding yourselves, preparing yourselves, and loins or your waist. Same, same words that are used in Ephesians chapter 6. So he's talking about girding ourselves. Where do I gird myself? Not, not my loins like my hips, my waist region, but I'm supposed to gird myself in the loins of my mind. So we wrap our minds or with the word of God or prepare our minds with the word of God. And it's the same kind of picture that he's using here that we have in Ephesians chapter 6, just like that belt would keep their the armor from falling apart and swinging all over the place and things just, just being in chaos. Same kind of word picture Peter's using when they would gird themselves the robes or the tunics that they would would wear if they were going to work or if they were going to run they would have to gird themselves up prepare themselves get everything all tucked in so that they weren't getting snagged on things that they weren't tripping themselves up as they were trying to run in these in these robes same things happen happens with our minds that just like you could run and trip and fall or get snagged on something with if you're wearing a robe if you don't gird yourselves people's minds run all over the place and people get themselves in a lot of trouble by not controlling their thought life, just allowing things to, to fester in their minds or allowing their minds to wander to places that their minds shouldn't be wandering to. And you, you can get yourself in trouble doing that. And a mind, your mind has a tendency just to wander. You see something, you hear something, you've ever had moments where, you know, you're thinking about something and you're like, how, how in the world did I get on this? I, I was, I was trying to read a book and I, I've got myself thinking about summer vacation four years. Your, your mind just wanders all over. So he's talking about there is a way to gird, to keep your mind focused, to keep your mind on track and it's important to do and the way that we do that when we we understand these scriptures together is that we gird up the loins of our minds with the word of God it's the word of God that'll help you keep focused that'll help keep things on track that will restrain your mind and not allow it to drift into places that it shouldn't go or dwell on things that cause you to be sad or full of sorrow or full of lust I mean all kinds of appetites can be stirred up by what we allow to go on in our minds but if you gird it up with the belt of truth then you keep things from swinging all over and getting yourself tripped up or snagged up on things and getting yourself in, into trouble. And so filling our minds with the Word of God is incredibly important. It's how we gird ourselves. And again, that's the foundation of everything else. The breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All, all of the armor of God is going to stem or come from the foundation of the belt of truth. 
And that's consistent with other passages that talk about God's word. Jesus talked about as a foundation that we build our lives on. Everything comes from the word of God. So it's key that we fill our minds with the word of God, the, the sword of the spirit. You can't operate the sword of the spirit, a spoken word, the, the rhema, without first having yourselves wrapped, your mind filled, your heart filled with, with the word of God, which takes us into the second the second way that we can make use of the word of God that I wanted to talk about. Number one, we've got to, to gird our minds with the word of God. It's how you, you gird yourself. The belt of truth that all the other armor comes from starts with, with the word of God, the belt of truth. The second, the second way we can make use of God's word, and this certainly isn't exhaustive, but the second way I wanted to talk about today is in prayer. And I want to read to you from Exodus chapter 32 as an example of using God's word in prayer. So in Exodus chapter 32, it's uh, when the story of when Moses is up on the mountain talking to God, he's, he's getting the Ten Commandments, and while he's up there receiving the Ten Commandments, uh, Aaron and the other Israelites are down at the bottom of the mountain. They're getting restless. Uh, they start pressuring Aaron, and Aaron ends up making the, the golden calf. And so a little bit ironic that while God is telling Moses how they should live and one of the commands having no other images, no other false gods, at the very time they're down at the bottom of the mountain creating, creating a false god. And, and when this happen, g- happens, God gets upset. Verse 7, Exodus chapter 32, verse 7 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down for your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And I will make of you a great nation. So they're making a, a false god. God gets very upset about this. And listen to the language that, that he's using when he sends Moses. He tells Moses, go, get down. And God says to Moses, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. The language he's using, that he's now saying, these are your people, Moses. You're the one that brought them out. He's, it's like he's disowning the Israelites. He's distancing himself from these people. Like, you can have them. I'm done with them. These are your people. You let them out of Egypt, and God's getting ready to wipe them out. That last verse we read, verse 10, it says, leave me alone or let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them. God's saying, just give me some space. Leave me alone, Moses, so I can, I can let my wrath just burn, my, my anger burn against them. That is not a good spot to be in. If God's saying, just, I, I want to be left alone so my wrath can burn against this group of people, they are in a bad situation. But look what happens next and how this situation is turned around. Verse 11, then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt? He's turning it around. God, these these are your people. Actually, you're the one that brought them up out of Egypt. You brought them out of the land of Egypt with great power 
and with a mighty hand. Verse 12, why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of, of the earth? Turn your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. So he says, God, you're the one that brought them out. These are your people. And why, why should the Egyptians say he took them out? He rescued, sure, sure, this God rescued them from us, but he just took them out in the wilderness to, to kill him himself. Why would we let people say that kind of stuff about you? You're, you're going to have a bad, this is a bad PR move. People are going to say bad things about you. And he's presenting this argument. It's logical. It makes a lot of sense. It, it sounds like a, a, good, a good reasoning. But at this point, God doesn't relent. He hears this argument and, and nothing happens. So Moses continues, verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to you and your descendants that they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. That when God relented, it was when Moses said, remember what you said to Abraham and Isaac and, and to Jacob. Remember what you told them. Remember what you swore. That he, he reminded God of what God had said. So what caused God to change his mind wasn't the argument that Moses presented on his own logic and reasoning. It, it wasn't Moses' words that were effective in talking to God. It was actually God's words that were effective in, in going to God about this situation. And so we, we can learn from that. When we pray that we should use the word of God in prayer, that Moses is an example. We, we can have well thought out reasons, God, I need this situation to change. I really don't like uh, what's going on with my kids. It makes me really sad what's happening in my marriage. God, I really need to know what to do. I need wisdom because if I don't, I'm going to look silly and people are going to say bad things about me. That, that might all be good logic and good reasoning. But what we can see from this and other passages, what moves God is when we remind him of what his word said. His word bears weight with, with him. You know, we know that the name of Jesus is powerful when we pray, that Jesus taught us to pray in his name, that we can go to the Father in the name of Jesus. So when we pray and we conclude saying, in Jesus' name, amen, that's not just a generic ending because we don't know what else to say. It bothers me when people pray and they just say, amen, or in his name, in your name. Say the name of Jesus. Je in the name of Jesus is how we come to the Father. So without that, we don't really have access. God, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm approaching you. I'm bringing you these requests. Uh, I'm, I'm coming and talking to you in the name of Jesus. We know that there is power in the name of Jesus, and that's absolutely true. But did you know in Psalm 138 verse 2, it says, you have exalted or you have magnified your word above your name. So we need to come in the name of Jesus. There is power there. But we also need to come with the word of God. And he's exalted his word above, above his name. Isaiah 43, 26 is where, where we're told, God says, put me in remembrance. So God actually says, I want you to remind me, put me in remembrance of, of his word. And that's exactly what Moses did. What caused God to change from ready to wipe out the Israelites to relenting and saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to feed them and be faithful to them and lead them and guide them was saying, 
remember, God, you said, you, you swore. So in prayer, when we, when we pray, use God's word in prayer, using that example of wisdom. God, I need wisdom. In Jesus' name, I need wisdom. We can pray like that, and we can present arguments and tell God how bad we need it. Lord, my family's going to be a wreck if I don't know what to do with this job situation, handling my kids. I really need wisdom. People are going to think I'm an idiot if I don't have a solution to this problem. It's going to hurt me financially. I need wisdom. We can present well-reasoned arguments and how meaningful it is in our lives. But what we can know holds weight with God is reminding him of his word. So instead of just saying, God, I, this situation, I really need help here. I need wisdom. Attaching that to the word of God and saying, God, your word says, if any of us lack wisdom, James chapter one, I can come to you and I can ask. And if I come in faith, you said that you would give it liberally. You wouldn't hold back. You would give me access to your wisdom. So Father, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm confessing I lack wisdom on my own, but I know that you've got an abundant supply and you said you'd share it with me. Father, I know there's a story of a man named Solomon that he asked you for an understanding heart. He wanted wisdom and you gave it to him in ample supply. Your word says you're no respecter of persons. So I'm coming to you. I need understanding. I need wisdom in Jesus' name. So when I come in the name of Jesus and I come armed with the word of God, now I've got like a double, double barrel power that I'm approaching God with that he, he says, remind me of my word. So in prayer, when I'm talking to God, I'm I need to make use of the word of God, but also in prayer, when I'm coming against the things that Ephesians chapter six said that we're dealing with, I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and evil powers and in, in, in darkness and wickedness in, in uh, spiritual or heavenly places, that when we're coming against the enemy, dealing with sickness or a, a spiritual attack, we need to use the word of God there as well. Let me read to you from Exodus chapter four. In Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 3 is when Moses has an encounter with God at the burning bush. And God is telling Moses to go and to talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And so we, we can almost use that as an example of spiritual warfare. When we're going and saying, coming against things that are holding people in bondage in our own lives or in someone else's life. And we're going saying, saying to whatever power that is, release the people of God. So, so God is telling Moses to do this, but we can learn from that because we're, we're supposed to go and bring deliverance and minister freedom and set captives, set captives free. So as God is saying, here's what I want you to do. Go and tell them, let my people go. In verse one of chapter four, Exodus chapter four, Moses says, okay, but what if I go and they won't listen to me? What if I go and say, uh, let these people go free, and Pharaoh just shrugs it off? What if he won't listen? I don't know if you've ever felt that or if you've ever had that same kind of thought. Okay, I'm going to pray for this sick person. I'm going to rebuke cancer. I'm going to rebuke a spirit of infirmity. I'm going to, I'm going to try to minister freedom to this person. But what, what if they don't believe me? What if this sickness, what if this spiritual principality or whatever it is that I'm dealing with, this evil spirit, what if it just like won't, won't listen to me? Well, we've got an example of Moses asking a very similar question. And listen to what it says in Exodus chapter four, verse two. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And God begins to give him instructions on how we can make use of this rod. And one of the things that that rod represents 
is the word of God, that it gave him power, it gave him authority, that when he was in situations where he needed to have a breakthrough or where people weren't believing him, let my people go, why would I let your people go? Start to make use of that rod, that rod of power, again, represents the word of God. So what if people don't believe me? What if this, this thing that I'm dealing with, this depression, this anxiety, it's not going away when I, when I try to command it? What's that in your hand? Use, use the word of God. It's as if God is saying, well, if they don't listen to you, then they'll listen, they'll listen to me. When we're dealing with those spiritual forces that Ephesians says that we are up against, that we need to incorporate the word of God. What does God's word say? And use that in prayer when we're praying against those things. So again, a couple of, a couple of ways that we can use the word of God. Because a lot of us, if you've grown up in church or if you've spent much time in church at all, we know that the Bible is important. God's word is important. We need to read the Bible. But sometimes we can leave it in just this kind of vague, we know it's important, but uh, what are some ways that I actually make use of this very important material that I have? And there's, this certainly isn't exhaustive. There's probably infinite ways we can make use of it in our lives. But just giving you two practical ones. One, we make use of it by girding up our minds. We, we lay the foundation for all of the armor of God. Keep our mind on track by flooding your mind with, with the word of God. It's how we gird up the loins of our mind. Two, in prayer, and I gave you two examples. One, when we're going to God in prayer using his word, and when we're going against evil forces in prayer to arm ourselves with the word of God. So two, two ways to make use of the word of God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person that's joined us on this podcast. And Lord, I pray you'd give them a fresh hunger and thirst for your word. Lord, that it would open up to them. I plead the blood of Jesus over the eyes of their heart that as they engage with your word, Lord, it would be enjoyable for them to flood their mind with their with your word, that they would see the effectiveness of having a mind that is girded up the loins of their mind, prepared, filled with your word, so their mind wouldn't wander. It wouldn't cause them problems getting snagged on things, tripped up, unable to run the way that they're called to run. Father, that the, the rest of the armor of God would fit together so perfectly in their life that the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, those things would be so accessible because they've started with the belt of truth. Father, I pray that their prayer life would go to another level as they begin to incorporate approaching you, putting you in remembrance of your word, attacking the enemy, not with their own logic, attacking the enemy in their lives, not with their own reasoning, but with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that they've prepared themselves with by the belt of truth. Lord, what if they don't believe me? What is in our hand? You've given us the word of God and that we would make use of it. Father, I speak blessing on each person, blessing on their family. Lord, that we'd honor you, please you in everything that we do and we'd advance your kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for, for joining me on this podcast. We'll, we'll see you next time.